This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. From our Providence, Rhode Island studios, I sit down with investigative reporter Parker Gavigan. Parker Gavigan is an investigative reporter for NBC10 WJAR in Providence, Rhode Island, where he is a member of the I-Team, Channel 10's long-standing investigative unit, which rose to prominence through the work of Jim Terracani, Diana Kelsch, and others. We discussed Parker's responsibility in maintaining the I-Team and Channel 10 as the Providence New Bedford Market's number one rated news station. Adapting as a broadcaster in light of shifting viewing habits, news stations serving as a public service. Plus, I ask Parker for his thoughts on why corruption has routinely been exposed at some of the highest levels of Rhode Island politics. Hey, if you're in the Providence metro area, be sure to pick up the current edition of Providence Monthly Magazine, where you'll find an in-depth interview with me getting into the background and future of this very program, the Bartholomew Town Podcast, not to mention some photos of the loft, my lair, where we record this podcast. So you can also find it. I have a link to it on my Twitter account, at Bill Bartholomew. So a super fun story, and uh, appreciate everyone who's written in. Bill at BartholomewTown.com. Always fun to get your feedback. All right, let's get to it. My sit down with Parker Gavigan, which I let off by asking him, why broadcasting? You know, I sort of just morphed into investigative journalism. Uh, uh, starting out as a younger reporter, I, I started out in, in Arkansas, actually. It was my first gig wow. uh, in, in the TV world. I was down in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And, you know, typically you don't start as a investigative reporter. So as a general assignment reporter chasing, you know, news of the day, fires, shootings, murders, um, that sort of thing. But I ended up um, sort of in my spare time starting to, you know, look at things, dive into data and numbers and um, just ask questions um, from city officials. And down there, it's all county based. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a little different structure of government than we have up here. Um, and you start to put some of these things together, and it takes a little longer to do. You're not going to do it in a day. It might take a couple of days, might take a week, might take a month or longer. Um, so I sort of, you know, got into that, liked it, um, and I was not an investigative reporter per se in Arkansas, but those were the stories that I gravitated toward: uh, government waste, um, you know abuse of the systems whether it's like overtime with um you know city and town employees and um yeah i kind of just like had an interest in it and sort of started pitching stories that way my boss at the time you know started to uh to see that i i liked it and you know maybe was i the de facto investigative reporter at the station possibly but then sure enough a job opportunity comes up um up this way at Channel 6 at the time. This is going back to 2006. 2006. So I've been doing this about... I'm going going into my, my 14th year or so. Um, but then the clock starts all over again. Yeah. I come back up here, and I'm... Uh, General assignment reporter chasing fire trucks and hanging out with Dalmatians and yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so I've got to do it all over again and sort of earn your stripes again. And so the model worked all right in Arkansas, so I figured, okay, let's let's start looking at things around here in, in Rhode Island and 
Southeastern Mass. And um, yeah, so I, it took me a couple of years, but then became an investigative reporter with, with Channel 6. Um, and then <laughs> repeat this all over again, Bill. Yep. I get a job over at Channel 10. I'm not an investigative reporter. Start out again as general assignment. Um, however, I had been in the market for four years. So, um, you know, knew a little bit more than coming in as just kind of a um, wet behind the ears cub reporter. And, um, yeah, I took a couple more years at Channel 10, uh, but then got on to, to, the, to the I team at 10, which uh, has just been phenomenal. And it's such a, a legacy here in Rhode Island at the time. Um, I was working with Jim Terracani, um, really, you know, as you know, a legend. Um, there should be a statue of Jim Terracani. There really should That's be. a serious statement. There really should be. Yeah. So I kind of just, you know, I gravitated toward investigative journalism throughout my career. And I've just been, I've been really blessed the last five, six years to work pretty exclusively um, on it. Yeah, you and Katie Davis really are the face of the I-Team now. You know, you're the, the new guard, if you will, of that legacy. It's true, yeah. So um, uh, Katie and I uh, both joined the I-Team uh, full-time in 2013, so it's been five years, and that was really the last year uh, of, of Jim working full-time with us. So he was just a great mentor, um, someone that you could look to uh, in the newsroom. You got a tough question, uh, you know. Jim had seen it all, he had heard it all, he had done it all. So um, even to this day, you know, many years after, after he's retired, he's always just been a, a good person to bounce anything that you, that you need to off of. Just a great mentor to, to Katie and me. Rhode Island law enforcement officials remain vigilant, keeping an eye on the few made guys and their associates still on the streets of Providence. And they're waiting to see if the new mob bosses of the patriarchal crime family in Boston are going to make a move into Rhode Island. In Providence, I'm Jim Terracani, NBC 10 News. Between Jack White and Jim Terracani, a little bit of that legacy, or a lot of it, has been sprinkled onto the, the current players. Yeah, you know, and what I, I think you know, Jim experienced this, the decades that, that he was reporting, and we've experienced that. Competition is great. It's great for the market. Uh, you know, we, we have a, um, a real healthy respect for our, our competitors. You know, I would hope they, they do as well. And uh, it keeps everybody on their toes, quite frankly. Right. I think it's just, um, you know, it's good. it's good for all of our viewers and um, the general public out there when you've got all these reporters digging around and uh, trying to, you know, uncover the truth. Absolutely. What's been the biggest, the most eye-opening investigation you've done recently, you know, that, that you're, you've kind of established your few years into being one of the faces, if you will, of the I-team. Now you are in charge of that brand of reporting. What do you feel is the, you know, your signature issue right now? Um, you know, it's difficult to say. Um, you know, a couple of stories that, that jump out in, in recent years for me um, has involved lawmakers. Um, our investigation into uh, Ray Gallison, who's now in federal prison, Yep. Um, you know, that's going back a couple of years now, but, um, at the time, you know, it was discovered that, uh, he was going to resign from this powerful post uh, at the state house as, as finance chair. And, um, I remember that night people were wondering, well, you know, at least on, uh, on Twitter, why is he resigning? Well, here's why we, we 
broke the story that night of, of why he was resigning, that he was under a, a federal investigation. And um, that story was uh, – that was fascinating to me because even at that juncture, we knew he was under a federal investigation, but we didn't exactly know all the details. Um, and so it over the course of several months, just some you know old shoe leather reporting, um, document requests, a um, little bit of luck. Uh, this is there's a, and there can be a lot of luck sometimes yeah. when it comes to you know what we do, just being in the right place at the right time, um, and and knowing what questions to ask. Uh, it, it turned out that um, you know here this guy was he was a, a Rhode Island a powerful Rhode Island legislator, but in his private life he was an attorney, and he was working um, on probate cases in Massachusetts that didn't have a lot of oversight. So at the time he was um, he was working on a friend's estate um, who had passed away, and he had a you know had amassed uh, some some money over a million dollars, but the man was dead, and so uh, Gallison really had control of of all this guy's money, and he was using it for his own personal benefit. So the story. Uh, you know, kind of morphed from there, and uh, we were kind of following the paper trail, and um, you know, ultimately, uh, the case never went to trial. Um, Gallison pled, and then he went to went to federal prison. So that that was a fascinating case to work on. Um, I've enjoyed uh, public corruption cases uh, lately. I kind of one of my interests right now, and something that we've been working on on the on the I team has to do with um, some of these cold cases, these police cases that, you know, have long gone cold, um, murders, disappearances, stuff that uh, could be 10 years old, 20 years old, 30, um, or just a case of, uh, of inside an interesting police investigation that the public isn't really aware about. Um, so just coming off of last month, we're in, you know, the ratings period for TV is, is we call it sweeps. Oh yeah. So a couple of stories that, that I worked on had to do with these, uh, these cold cases, uh, at least one cold case about a, a, dis- uh, um, a URI student who disappeared, right. Uh, 10 years ago, uh, Wojciech Fadali, uh, guy just disappeared, uh, was never seen again after a night of, of hanging out and partying with friends. Um, it was a cold December night. Uh, he was hanging out and just, Oof, disappeared. Um, clothes, wallet, cash, everything. So um, we looked at, back into that story, reached out to his family out in western Massachusetts and talked to them for a bit and talked to the police. Um, so, yeah, real fascinating stuff. I, I sort of get into that now. I, I It's something that I think that we're going to continue to do and try to um, uh, sort of warehouse all these stories on um, – on our website on turn to 10.com in a particular spot and, and actually go back and maybe even look at some, um, some older ones from, uh, from the years from, from the Terracani years. Uh, Frank Coletta at our station is, um, has worked on quite a few of these, uh, over the years too. So I think we're going to just try to like, um, have a special spot for it. Thank you for turning to 10. This is Southern new England's news leader. For you, are you balancing multiple stories at a time and, and doing research in different areas, or do you try to stay hyper focused on one story, really live it, 
you know, in, in almost that film version of a journalist, you know, yeah, three it, o'clock in the morning, you know, <laughs> in the basement of, 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 of 23 Kenny drive. Right. <laughs> or normally it's, I, I wake up in a cold sweat and, Oh, Oh, I forgot that. Or I, yeah. you know, uh, no, it's tough. It's, um, it's difficult to, to, to balance it all. Now we learn the state police are investigating. I team reporter Parker Gavigan goes looking for answers. Could we ask you a few questions about the concession stands? Um, this is a bad time right now, Parker. This is Cranston State Rep Peter Palumbo. He's the manager of the Beachcomber concession stands at three state hey, beaches. we've already Scarborough. sent out records requests and, um, you know, weeks and months have gone by. And we're still trying to gather that data or put that together. Or I could be at the stage where, on another story where, you know, we've already done interviews. Right. And I'm... I'm going through those interviews and and looking for uh, you know for our our sound bites that are going to be on TV, and then in another stage we're putting this stuff together, so right. the viewers are going to you know see it. So it, it's a constant juggling act, um, you know, time management, that sort of thing, and it, it can be it can be tricky because uh, you get distracted. Uh, there's always new stuff coming in too. Yep, and quite frankly, there's a lot of crap out there. There's you know, let's just say if you get 10 phone calls or 10 emails, you know, maybe only one of them is really going to be a story, maybe 10%, maybe 20%. So, you know, we're respectful of, of our viewers. I, I try, I try like heck to get back to, to everyone who, who writes or calls in and it can be difficult because, you know, reach of a station like channel 10, um, and the audience that we have and people, you know, People call in with their problems and and they want to you know they want a solution they want you know they 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 want help um, and so I take that seriously we you know there's always sort of a working list of even though I know it's not a story maybe we can make a phone call maybe we can help out in some way maybe it's a matter of calling you know somebody at City Hall to help Mrs Smith with this issue or right whatever so there are those types of uh, it's like. I, you know, it's kind of a public service. You're almost doing what, in theory, the General Assembly should be doing, but don't yeah. probably in a lot of cases, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there there are all those um, uh, sorts of issues that come up. And then, of course, the ones that really, you know, do become stories. And, and, and um, you know, it, it's difficult. People, they've likely gone to their person in the General Assembly. They've gone to City Hall or Town Hall. And they're just not getting anywhere. They're not getting any answers. They're not getting any help. Um, in a way, it's kind of sad that they have to come to a TV station. Um, but we're also, we're an outlet. We're an avenue there. And I'm glad that we are there uh, because in, in those circumstances, you know, we can affect change too in, in action. And, it, you know, if, if we got to make a call uh, on behalf of, of Mrs. Smith, uh, you know, we do it. Right. Those transmitters are powerful influencers. There's no question about that. You know, when you think about the tower and the license to that, those are, there's only a few people that have that in the grand scheme of things. Um, and you do have that at your disposal. So it's, it's, it is a responsibility. I can understand that. You know, you feel that pressure from within yourself just to, to serve that purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we talk about about Channel 10, you know, WJR and kind of the, the legacy station that it, that it is. It's been serving this community for, you know, 70, 70 plus, about 70 years or so. And our investigative team is, is like 40 years. Jim, 
Terracani, you know, founded the team um, about 40 years ago, coming on the 40th year here. So uh, that's not lost on me. That's, uh, you know, it's a pretty they're big. It's an important role. There are big shoes to fill. Um, you know, we're just, as I mentioned, we were coming off of this ratings period. And um, our station has seen phenomenal growth. We're at like eight-year highs for, for, uh, for audience levels. Our six o'clock newscast is like one of the top rated newscasts in the country, uh, like in the top five. So uh, it's not lost on on me or I think on you know my colleagues. It's it's a uh, it's a great place to work. What do you think the future of? broadcast media looks like you know you're at a point now where you're established but you also have you know you're a younger face of broadcasting in this market you'll probably be a leader of wherever we go so where are we heading you know it's it's a difficult question i i you know i remember being in journalism school uh 15 plus years ago and all of my professors and teachers even then were talking about how Things are going to change, right? And the industry has changed. Uh, stations are doing more with less, and I, I think that that's that's that was caused, obviously, by you know big corporations owning owning stations, and um, it certainly didn't help when we went into a, a recession, you know, ten years ago. Um, so news budgets were slashed, but. And I think there'll there'll always be a bit of that. I mean, we're always going to have to you know serve kind of a, a bottom line, um, so to speak. But I think at the very core, there's always there's always going to be a, a, a seat at the table for for news and television news. Um, and you know, we're obviously now on the web. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're doing Facebook Live, right? So it's certainly changed from just the traditional uh, you know six o'clock in the morning news noon news 6 p.m news we've got all these other newscasts all these other platforms um and that's just been you know obviously another uh another way to to retain an audience grow an audience find new new people yep. uh, who will you know watch that facebook live and then maybe come over and, and watch the six o'clock newscast um so I think there'll always be there's certainly always there'll always be a need for what we do uh, in in TV news, particularly in, in investigative journalism. Um, so uh, you know, I think we'll be okay. I think you know, if you you know you look out ten twenty years from now, um, you know, Channel Ten is going to be here and we're going to be serving the community. Um, it, it'll be fascinating to see, uh, and it, it's been interesting, you know, in my career and in, in about fifteen years or so. Uh, working in TV news to see how things are, have changed, but they really haven't changed. You know, you talk to some of the uh, people who who may have retired in the, in the last you know five or ten years, and and they might say, "Oh, it's so different today than it than it was." And you know, maybe the technology has changed. Mm-hmm. And that you know, that something like like folks like me are are still you know trying to deal with. It's you, you got a lot of younger people now that uh, you, they're they know how to do all this stuff and yeah. they're like so quick. I mean, my, my six year old daughter can grab an iPad and she can like, you know, uh, she can whip around it a lot quicker than I, than I can, yeah. you know? Um, so there'll always be a bit of that, but at the core, I think, you know, to answer, to get back to your original question, I think that 
there's always there'll always be a spot for it. You know. Yeah, I hope so. It's it's an, such an important thing. I agree. I think that of all of the media traditional media platforms, television news is one that will survive because it's totally adaptable. You know, you can even if there's no more quote unquote TV, the same product works in other formats online. So. We shall see. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's hope we're around. I think so. Last area in your investigative work in Rhode Island, there's no question that Rhode Island has um, – some people would characterize it potentially as somewhat humorous or they'd look at the Crime Town podcast and, and say, wow, there's, there's these ties, connections to the mob or whatever. But then you also look at just sort of the inherent corruption that seems to resurface time and time again throughout Rhode Island government. What is what's going on? Is it because we're a smaller state, we're able to pick this stuff out more easily, or is it because of the fact that we're a smaller state that it's allowed to that it allows for an environment for this business to go down? It's a good question. I you know we we joke at times that you know some of this this devious behavior is like taught around the campfire as a kid yeah. in some fashion, right? Like it's whether it's that municipal <laughs> employee who who's like faking a job injury and collecting a disability like it's okay to do that when really you know we know it's not and right. it's, it's, it should be you know it should be apparent and it should be it should be taught from father to son or mother to daughter that you know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong um so yeah i mean it's always baffling to us uh particularly when we see on the political side when you see a politician behaving b- badly presently knowing that they just saw the last guy go out in handcuffs. And it wasn't that long ago, yeah. right? It might have just been last year or the year before that, or right? So, like, it, yep. I mean, in the case of, like, the former House Speaker, Gordon Fox, that all went down in 2014. Ray Gallison is still up at the State House. It actually gets a promotion because of Fox's ouster and, and eventual, you know, spot in federal prison. Jailing, yeah. But yet he is still committing crimes in his private life, knowing full well what just happened, you know, to, to the boss, to the speaker. Right. Uh, but I don't know what it is. It's, are the blinders on? Uh, I, I just, I don't get it. I know, I, I know prosecutors at the state level and on the federal level, I mean, they shake their head, too. I mean, I know if you were talking to the, the incoming attorney general, Peter Narona, who's prosecuted a lot of these guys on the federal uh, level, uh, it's just it is baffling. It is. It truly is. I mean, is it is it just because we're a small state where these cases are are sort of magnified? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a good question, but there there is you know there is something. I I know I know you talked to um, to Matt Allen on WPRO, and I've always found it interesting where he he mentions this like what is this this putrid Rhode Island gene or <laughs> he, he has mentioned that on the radio a couple yeah. of times and it, I don't know there's so, I, like is there is there something here is there something in the water you know versus versus other states or even our neighbors I I, I don't know but it is it it does baffle baffle us in in the media when uh, you know when the next case comes down absolutely and you wonder how far under the surface this behavior goes as well with players who aren't necessarily elected officials you know but whether they're lobbyists or other influencers um 
it's it's a mystery, but it's it's decidedly Rhode Island, and it's created this quote unquote national sport of politics here. That's for sure. Yeah, no, without a doubt, and um, and it's sad too, and and embarrassing in a way. It's really embarrassing. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it always comes up. Uh, you know, we're just coming off the holidays, uh, off of the Thanksgiving holiday, and you know, uh, the family always always asks, "Hey, so what's new? What's going on? Who's in trouble now in Rhode Island?" and you know, while it's entertaining and, and fun to talk about, at, at you know, at, at the core, it's it's kind of sad. <laughs> it really is, yeah. You know, <laughs> right. or even looking out to Fall River, wherever you go now, the the, the region, the market, if you will, is yeah. replete with this, you know, just bad behavior. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, for our end, I guess it's job security. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Answers the last question as well. Um. Last, my absolute last question would be your message to anyone out there in Rhode Island who is feeling discouraged about politics, media, anything like that, other than tr- turning to 10 and getting the truth. <laughs> what would you say? How would you propose someone gets involved right now? I, you know, I think it's just you got to be involved. You can't bury your head in, in the sand. Um, you know, you whether it's at at the level of being involved with your kid's school um or you know finding out who is is controlling your your town government or city government and keeping tabs on these folks and really you know making sure um that they're doing what what they really pitched as um you know as a campaign promises um and that's like i mean that's like ground level stuff. Like that's, you know, just being kind of con- controlling your own, um, your own household. Um, and just, you know, if something is, is askew, if something's wrong, um, call us or reach out to, you know, to other journalists because we're, you know, we're here. We're, we're really a public service as well. So, um, you know, my recommendation is if you're not getting any um, any satisfaction when when you make the calls or you show up in person, let us do it. Yeah, there's nothing like a camera and microphone in your face, you know, as you're leaving a, a town council meeting or whatever it is to get an explanation on whatever matter may be before the council that's that's disturbing to some of the citizens. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I will say this, too. Uh, you know, part of what you see us doing on on the I team, or times we have to ask tough questions of people who who don't necessarily want to answer our our questions. Usually, what you're seeing on TV is kind of the last resort. You know, we try to reach out. I always try to reach out, usually on the phone or in person, explain what we're trying to trying to do, the answers that we're that we're trying to get, the questions we're asking to get those answers. So typically, it's you know, when you see someone who is shying away from us, running away from us, turning away from us, not wanting to answer questions, that's kind of the last resort. Um, but, you know, we always, you know, we, I, I try to operate, we always try to operate under the edict of you know, being fair, you know, being honest. Right. Um, and just asking the tough question, uh, tough questions when it, when it's necessary. You may find each of my in-depth conversations with Rhode Island politicians, media members, artists, and beyond on Apple Podcasts, BartholomewTown.com, 
or ripodcast.com. As always, thank you for listening to the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk soon.